0: Bye. <laughs> back to another episode of the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Wick. We are coming to you on, uh, what is it, Thursday night? Yes, Thursday night, game one of the St. Louis Cardinals series in uh, Great American Ballpark. Sonny Gray was positively brilliant tonight. Uh, only went five innings because his pitch count was pushing 100, but struck out 10 guys, took a no-hitter into the fifth inning and finished with only one hit and three walks allowed, no earned runs, stretching his career best Uh, scoreless streak to 18 innings which is the good news in Cincinnati Reds land these days Um, unfortunately the bad news is it's also the day after they got shellacked uh, 17 to 7 by the Washington Nationals for their fourth loss in a row it completed a sweep at the hands of the Nationals Um, one of those moments where you look up and say hey uh, when you're what Seven games under 500. You can't afford to lose any games, much less get swept, much less get beaten 17 to seven with uh, Trevor Bauer on the mound, having allowed nine earned runs, which was the most he's ever allowed in his big league history. So, um, kind of a bit of a, a, a tipping point in Reds land right now. Um, the the pipe dreams that we had for the longest time about actually making the the postseason this year appear to be. Uh, a little bit more of a long shot than they ever were, especially now that we've only got what forty-two-ish games left in this season. So, uh, here to kind of break down what we've got on our hands at this point. We've got a couple veteran Red reporters uh, in Cincinnati. We've got former Fearless Leader Brandon Grayling. PK, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Where? How's it going? Oh, uh, it's it's going well. It's it's weird. There's there's so many good things about this Reds team and about what they've done right. and about where they are. Uh, that yeah, yeah like you you want you to be excited about it. It's the first like August 14th, 15th that we've had where there's still relevance in what yeah. six years um, but they're still kind of stumbling and tripping and falling over themselves. so
1: yeah it's, it's they took that the, all the excitement of uh, you know the Aquino game is, is I guess what we're calling it and uh, then they had four must win games in a row that they lost.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, what, 10-1 to so, uh, over the Cubs at home in the biggest series in Great American Ballpark in six years, got to within, what, three and a half games back of the second wild card, three games from the 500 mark, Aquino blasts three home runs, they wrecked the Cubs, and then just completely fall on their face after that. Um, also yeah. joining us in, uh, uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, we've got uh, Mitchell Clark, the Arkansas, not Virginia Reds fan. Uh, Mitch, what's going on, buddy?
2: Oh, not a lot. Um, you know, finally got to see this team play in person just in time for uh,
1: – <laughs> Oh, man. Away.
2: So I went uh, up to D.C. for Tuesday night's game and saw an offense put up one run on a guy who had was pushing a 7 ERA on the season. So kind of like what you'd expect in
0: 2019. Yeah, but at least, at least you didn't get up there for the uh, the 17-7 to game because uh, that 17-7 to game, that's a polite way of putting the fact that it was 17-4. to uh, at one point. Um, yeah, it just kind of seems like the way the Reds uh, have been all season is what you've seen play out in the last week, which is um, pick up some big wins, look like they're building momentum, and then just completely have it reverse immediately before they could ever get anything uh, going significantly beyond that. Um, uh, they're 55-55 and 55 after their 1-8 and start. And you look up at this team and they basically have all of – The recipes that you get in 500 teams, which is lack of consistency, lack of big time production offensively when you need it the most, uh, and bullpen issues, which is something that we didn't see to start the season, but has certainly certainly jumped up lately. Um, I guess is is it you know I, I wrote last night that it basically is stick a fork in the Reds season at this juncture. They're 56 and 63. Seven and a half games back of uh, the closest possible last-ditch effort, uh, card spot, and they're behind, what, half or no, 12 of the 15 National League teams right now. Um, what are your thoughts on where the Reds are at this juncture? And obviously, we saw David Hernandez, DF8, and um, move on, and Jared, you use claim by the Philadelphia Phillies today, um, which kind of continues a trend of turning over the, uh, the 2019 leaf and looking beyond 2019. uh, What are your thoughts on where the Reds are uh, both in 2019 and in this stage of the rebuild and whether or not they're finally decision to punt 2019, so to speak um, really is the right one, which is something that we've seen happen this week. Um, r what do you think, man? Uh, You know, I don't really think
2: as far as how the front office is thinking it's any different than it was at the trade deadline you know they made that move to get trevor bauer for 2019 and you know they hoped maybe the team can put a run together i mean sorry they made that move to get trevor bauer for the 2020 run and hoping that you know maybe they can string some wins together and push for the playoffs in 2019 and mm-hmm. so i think the last week even though they like you said they got within three and a half games of the wild card after the Cubs series and, you know, things were looking up, the last four games have just shown that 2020 is still a goal and the moves that they've made in the last week with, you know, getting rid of Hughes and Hernandez and then, uh, you know, signing guys like Freddie Galvis and uh, and Gossman, um, they just, it's just furthering that, those moves along.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny to, to note at the, the the transactions as a whole. You look at what they did at the deadline and you look at what's happened in this August. Um, non-waiver trade period, but waiver claim period, which is an interesting development in its own right. Um, what the Reds have done is they've jettisoned Scooter Jeanette and Yasiel Puig. Um, they've let David Hernandez go and Jared Hughes go, all guys who weren't under contract beyond 2019 and obviously Hughes had an option, but I think today's uh, transaction pretty well signaled that they weren't going to pick that up this winter. Um, and in the process, they brought in Trevor Bauer, they've claimed Kevin Gosman, they've claimed Freddie Galvis, all guys who have team control for 2020. Um, you look at the bulk of those transactions, they all look good on paper. They've all looked good for the most part, aside from Bauer yesterday in 2019. Um, But then you also look at the guys that that's given playing time to. And it's given playing time to Aristides Aquino, who has absolutely destroyed the ball since coming up to the big leagues. It's given time to Josh Van Meter, who has similarly hit the snot out of the ball and gotten on base at a phenomenal clip. Um, All of those moves don't signal that 2019 was a punt. They've gotten better by all of those moves, including getting rid of Fuig and including getting rid of uh, Scooter. But still, even that has not been enough to make 2019 some sort of miraculous recovery. Um, BK, what do you think, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the the line that we heard from the front office around the deadline was was kind of lip service a little bit of, uh, you know, they, they, were, they were kind of were talking about, oh, we're still in it, we're still, you know, in contention and, you know, the moves that they were making weren't really reflecting that, right. obviously getting rid of, Scooter Jeanette and, and Puig being being the big two. But yeah, you know, I, I think that this these kinds of moves are things that I, I think we have been wanting them to do in past years. That, you know, even last year, when you look at uh, what they when they had Matt Harvey here, you know, at the trade deadline last year, we were saying, Hey, let's get rid of Matt Harvey, just get something for him, give someone else's innings. And and it seemed like they just couldn't bear to do even just that move and this year there you I I think we've seen a huge step forward in just kind of the urgency of getting guys playing time getting Aquino playing time getting you know Josh Van Meter in there getting Matt Bowman you know back in the bullpen today guys who you know you have under contract for next year you know, Jared Hughes isn't going to help you next year. Why not give his innings to Matt Bowman? Why not give his innings to Joel Kuno? And see see what you got. See if, you know, maybe one of those guys will be a, a piece for next year's team. And, um, you know, this is the time to do that. And it's, it's great that – I think it's great that they're actually kind of taking, taking that step. Uh, I don't know why Jose Iglesias is still around. And getting as much playing time as he is, but uh, all I think all the rest of the moves that they they made have been great.
0: You know that's a that's a good point about Iglesias, and it's something we kind of peripherally touched on in the uh, the Red Reporter Slack channel earlier today. Um, but it revolves around um, this newfangled August transaction system, which is no mm-hmm. trades, but players getting claimed. Um, and what you're seeing is a lot of guys who either are pending free agents on teams that aren't winning anything this year and they're willing to let them go, which is what you saw with Hughes today, going to the Phillies who look very much more competitive for a wild card spot right now and need that back in depth and are you know willing to pay $750,000 of, of his salary to find out if he can recapture the form he had last year, which admittedly was very, very good. Um, but you're also seeing guys uh, like Gosman, like Galvis, on rebuilding teams that have – Decently large financial obligations on them right now, but no pure commitment because Cosman's got one more arbitration year. Freddie Galvis has an option for next year. Uh, The Reds could end up paying both those guys to keep around, and it might cost them a total of like $17 million to do so, but they don't have to. They've got that 50-game window roughly to see what they've got in both of them and kind of see how things play out. Um, If you look at the rest of the Reds' roster right now, they still have a couple guys who fit that profile that hey, if the Reds don't make this miraculous run, and granted they do have the Padres and the Marlins and the Pirates coming up for a nine-game stretch next week, and who the hell knows, but if they don't make this miraculous run back into a playoff spot, Iglesias is a guy who might get claimed. You know, He might get put on waivers and might get claimed because he's a phenomenal defensive infielder, one of the best in the game at shortstop. Um, But you also look at their pitching staff, and you see a guy like Alex Wood, the Reds obviously wanted to be a bigger part of the staff this year, uh, and they're paying him, what, eight $9 million uh, to be a part of that pitching staff this year. But back issue saps so much of what he was supposed to provide them this season. Um, and they've already kind of moved on from him as far as I'm concerned because they went out and got Bauer, who looks to be kind of the Wood for 2020 if you think about it that way. Um, what are your thoughts on the idea that maybe they're still giving Alex Wood starts and maybe they're still giving Jose Iglesias starts because – they want those guys to get claimed too. And it's a way to move on from them um, because they're valuable assets to other teams out there. Uh, BK, what do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that that's, it's a possibility. I mean, it's, I think we're still kind of trying to figure out what this new trade deadline system will mean for baseball. I, I think it's, it's kind of a work in progress as far as what we're seeing, because it's, it's not something we've seen before, but you know, I, it's it's definitely interesting because it's like I, I feel like even with a guy like Iglesias, you know, if the Reds were going to get rid of him at the end of the season, you would think that they would have tried to do something for him at the deadline, even if, you know, it's just a straight up, you know, maybe get a lottery ticket like you did with, uh, with Scooter Jeanette, you know, maybe, you know, get whatever you can for him at that point. Um, but... You know, it's – this waiver system is, you know, really you're just having someone take his salary and you're not actually getting a prospect back. You're not getting anything back except for really just the playing time that you would have for another player. So yeah, I don't know how much the, of it's just that.
0: Yeah. You, you look at like the way that they are – there aren't a lot of new waiver claims and then negotiating a deal between the teams that, that yeah. claim the player and the, the, the holding player. It's either you let them go – with all the salary obligations involved, or you pull them back and that's it.
1: Um, Yeah. Are these still the revocable waivers? Are those still working the same way?
0: I think so. And if a player goes on, if a player goes unclaimed, you can't put them back on revocable waivers either. So um, whereas beforehand, teams, I think used to put everybody on waivers and if they cleared, then they had the opportunity to trade them whenever they wanted to. It's almost like now they're hesitant to put them on waivers because if they clear, you can't put him back on a week and a half later. Um, you know, if say right. uh, uh, two starting shortstops, Xander Bogarts and uh, Glaber Torres, get injured, if Jose Iglesias has already cleared waivers in August, you can't put him back on waivers and see if he gets claimed again. Um, yeah. So it's almost like you're you're waiting to find out if there's a, a specific need that comes up because you know while you're splitting hairs on all of this, if the Reds aren't going to the playoffs this year, which it certainly looks like they're not. Uh, if Alex Wood and Jose Iglesias get claimed right now and all you do is just let them go to their newfangled team, um, you're saving what? Probably $3 million total in salary, which yeah, it's, it's, I, I, that, it's, it's, it's a drop in the bucket to the $12 billion baseball industry. But for a Reds team that opened with a record payroll this year, that has gone out and spent that kind of money to take on Kevin Gosman and Freddy Galvis, if you can get it back, on the guys that aren't going to be a part of 2020 by doing that, well, maybe you do it, you know, and, and, yeah. and you, you make a, a cash neutral move. Um R4, what do you think, man?
2: Yeah. Um, kind of like what BK said. It's uh, it's definitely been interesting to watch how teams have handled this because, you know, they're all handling, you know, seeing the trade, the one trade deadline per season, you know, they're kind of taking it uh, or they're kind of winging it or not winging it, but they're just, Trying to figure out how it worked, um, and then you know they're putting guys on waivers who are just going to be picked up instead of having the opportunity to trade them. So, you know, I, I think that's definitely interesting um, if the Reds would be willing to get rid of a guy like Alex Wood and stuff to save that money because they've always been so stingy on payroll. And like you said, they mm-hmm. opened with a record payroll this season, but it was still something like fifty million behind what the Cubs are spending and you know, yeah and like like cool. seven like
0: seven million dollars below league average even still
2: yeah so for a team that yeah has spent more money than they've ever spent on payroll they're still not spending a, a ton compared to the rest of, of the league so three million dollars like that could could actually mean something for the reds in the future
0: yeah, yeah it's 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 a weird weird process to kind of break down because we've never been through this before but uh yeah, i would be
1: actually to your point like it's it is interesting to see what teams are doing and if you look at what the Yankees are doing you know they've actually had some bullpen issues and have bolstered their bullpen in, in a couple of different ways including doing a minor league trade to get guy some guys who aren't on 40-man rosters and so you know they picked up Joe Mantiply from the Reds for uh, cash or whatever and David, David Hernandez <laughs> And David Hernandez for off of uh, – off of, I, I think as a free agent, right? Yeah, so.
0: yeah. They signed him to do a minor league deal. And watch David Hernandez rest his shoulder for a month and be a absolute yeah. nails uh, – Nails, nails right. reliever for the Yankees down the stretch. <laughs> He's going to get a World Series ring at this rate. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, so. it, it's it's interesting as heck. And I know props to the Reds for being willing to uh, do midseason what so many teams in recent years haven't been willing to do, which is – take on money and that's what they committed to do this past winter also but they got kevin gossman for nothing as a buy low move and who knows what happens with him over the next 40 ish games but if he becomes a Derek johnson reclamation process uh project he could be a legit number four number five starter for this team next year he's got a year of team control left um if he continues to pitch terribly like he did for the braves you're not tendering, and it cost you two and a half, three million bucks of salary to finish this season. And you found out uh, Freddie Galvis is the same way. Somebody claims Jose Iglesias, and he decides to be a a, a, a much more prominent free not the sides that's a, the wrong word but becomes a much more prominent free agent this upcoming season than he was last winter when he was brought on a minor league deal you've got Freddie Galvis at $5 million to be your starting shortstop next year. And Freddie Galvis for 5 million bucks, it is a 1.8 to 2.2 wins above replacement guy is fine. That's totally fine. And might even get a, a great American ballpark bump uh, offensively there. Um, they've used the ability to, to take money on from teams that didn't look like they were willing to spend it. Trevor Bauer also, you know, the good Cleveland has been up against a payroll threshold over the last two seasons. that's seen them kind of, trade guys and do everything they can to balance the books. But Bauer on, uh, you know, 18 million dollars for next year wasn't something they were willing to spend. And the Reds said, fine, we'll, we'll take them from you. And obviously it cost them Taylor Trammell. But that's kind of the segue here um, in this episode of the Red Reporter podcast because in trading Taylor Trammell and trading El Puig, um, it almost kind of gives you the signal that the Reds thought they had stumbled upon something in Aristides Aquino that this time last year would have sounded a little bit absurd. Um Aquino obviously has at times been in the top ten of the Red Reporter uh community prospect rankings um on the farm. He's been in the top ten on MLB.com and baseball prospectus throughout the course of his minor league career. Um But he made a cameo appearance at age 24 last year after struggling at double A and pretty much got outrighted straight up off the roster this winter because the Reds had kind of said, eh, we want that 40 man roster spot more than what you've given us. Um, He came back to the Reds. You know, every other team in baseball in theory could have signed him, but he came back to the Reds and is showing this year the kind of top tier, toolsy talent that I think the best and brightest prognosticators four or five years ago said, wow, this guy's got. Um, What are your thoughts on what you've seen from Aquino so far Uh, and how much of this you think the Reds' front office legitimately could have seen coming? Because obviously nobody saw a record-breaking number of plate appearances (laughs) to get to nine career home runs. Um, But the fact is he's a 6'5 guy who can hit the living hell out of the ball with a cannon for an arm in right field. Um, he's toolsy. Like there are reasons why he was as attractive as he's been for years. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from him so far and how much credit you can really give the Fred's front office to turning things over to him at this point? Um, Arf, how about you go first?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy to see how this whole thing with the Kino has played out over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I mentioned that I was at the game on Tuesday. Um, And, you know, I'm always excited to watch Joey Votto hit and Suarez and, you know, some of these guys, but like Aquino was the one that I wanted to see on Tuesday night. You know, I I love watching those other two guys play, but I was like, I've got to see Aquino in person and watch him hit a 118 mile an hour laser (laughs) and, uh, you know, see him gun someone out from almost 102 in outfield. Um, of course he, with my luck, he went like over four. but, um, it was still, it's still like, it's been pretty awesome to watch. Cause even though the Reds have over the last four or five days kind of played themselves out of playoff contention, like this, he's still exciting and he's a reason to watch the games now. And I think, you know, the Reds have obviously seen something in him for, you know, keeping them with him this long and like even being able to re sign him after they release him and no one else picked him up. But you know, they also still released him, so I don't think they saw they obviously didn't see the record breaking numbers coming, but I don't think they saw him being this good or they would have you know, they would have kept him on the forty man roster in the off season before you know, before releasing him and stuff. But uh yeah. um, yeah. I can't remember his name, the hitting coach for saying, being able to tweak something in them and say, I think you can be a lot better if you just do this little thing. And it's obviously worked.
0: Yeah. It's uh Donnie Ecker, right? I think yeah. was the, yeah, the AAA. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. A. Yeah. Um, and it's worth, it's worth emphasizing there that there was a major tweak. It was not just that they brought him back at the, as the same old guy and said, try next year and see if it's different. They, they, he went through a major, major, major swing overhaul. Yeah. Um, over the last calendar year. And uh, admittedly, you know, it's hard to judge triple A numbers, especially in the international league this year, because they're using the major league baseball for the first time. And offensive numbers have absolutely exploded there. You've seen Josh Fameter knock the shit out of the baseball, frankly, and warrant a call up when he's continued to do it, when he's gotten to the big leagues this year, Brian O'Grady got a call up earlier this year also, because he, in large part, he's just destroyed the baseball triple A. Um, Aquino had, too. Like, the dude hit, what, 28 home runs in 73 games while also fighting a nagging shoulder injury. It's not like they knocked him off the roster, he's tweaked his swing, put up middling numbers this year at AAA, and they decided to give him a shot. No, he was knocking the absolute hell out of the ball at AAA and warranted the chance to find out whether or not I could translate and so far it has in absolute spades. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's far from the first time that you've seen a guy who is now 25 years old, um, finally have it click and have to go through a lot of things to make it click. Uh, we were talking about this earlier as well. Um, other players that have taken till age 25 or so before they finally broke in and then took off afterwards. Um, you know, you see it in Todd Frazier in specific Reds history. Um, Edwin Encarnacion, Beak, you, you mentioned him. He mm. was obviously traded for Scott Rowland and put up some okay numbers with the Reds, uh, but was traded in that deal in 2009 to Toronto, who then subsequently DFA'd him and stumbled into getting him back also. And then he went through a major swing change and took off offensively. Um Josh Donaldson, Jose Batista, two other examples of guys who took till 26, 27, 28 before things clicked and all those tools finally came together and holy shit, they became offensive monsters. Um, BK, what do you think, man? What, do, what, what have you seen from Bakito so far and uh, what yeah. the heck is it? What, what do the Reds have in him, man? Uh, I mean, it's it's about time
1: the Reds actually got one of these guys, right? Like I, mean, I, the, I feel like I, I've been watching I watch these guys come up for other teams and I'm always like, man, the
0: the Cardinals.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it, it's crazy to think that he was a you know a free agent over the offseason and anybody could have picked him up and um, yeah, I, there's there's obviously been a lot written about him, um, both on Red Reporter and, and other places. I think um, you know, if you look at uh, you can uh, what uh, C Trent Rosecrans, uh, friend of the show, has uh, done with the Athletic um, recently, talking about his swing change and kind of going all the way back down to the ground up. Um, there's a lot of there's been a lot of good stuff written about that. But um, you know, if I, I think the thing that stands out to me with Aquino is that one thing that the Reds kind of knew even from the beginning is that. Yeah, if you look at any of the scouting reports on him, even from from years ago, it it talks about the makeup uh, of Aquino and kind of the the tenacity right. that he he's always kind of shown, even in even when you know his his wing wasn't really working for him, uh, you know, obviously to to this extent, you know, his. You know he's kind of a student of the game type, and is is always looking to learn, and is it just kind of brings the right the right mindset, the right attitude to it. And I I mean I, I think that that's it just kind of goes to show that obviously the Reds knew that and were willing to invest more in him than they already had, and um, you know it's it's a testament to to the Reds development department that you know they've been able to get you know now the player that they have out of him and um you know really if you look at him i mean i if you think about like two weeks ago we were saying oh you know hey, maybe give Aquino some time give Irvin some time i'm i'm ready to pencil him into the lineup for the next three or four years in right field for the rest like bottom cleanup. up do whatever, like it's it's working. If if he can keep this up, like we're like it's it's a good it's a good problem for the Reds to have to have another guy that uh, they need to get at bats to.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and I also think it's worth mentioning that you know as much as you want instant impact the moment any major changes made at, at, at the big league level and in, in major professional sports, um, what the Reds went through offensively to start this season and still, you know, if you look up at their overall numbers where they stack up with the rest of baseball, uh, it's not been the most endearing first year, uh, for Turner award, the, uh, the new hitting coach of the Cincinnati Reds. um, but you start to look at some of the things that you begin to see trickle out in the second half of this season. Uh, you start to look at how Ward and Donnie Ecker have worked with the guys, both at the big league and AAA level over the course of the last, you know, six, seven months. Um, you've seen Josh Van Meter in a new stance over the last calendar year and how much better he's been since he took that on. Uh, Aquino, obviously, we just detailed as well. Um You saw Joey Votto stop choking up and start standing up straight at the plate. And over the last, uh, I think I looked at it last night, he's got an 844 OPS over his last 63 games, which is that Joey Votto-like? No, it's not. But he's also 35, and that's way better than he was to start this season. Um, You started to see Nick Senzel stand a little bit more upright at the plate as well, with a little bit slightly open stance compared to what he'd been before. Uh, Philip Irvin, who just socked another double into the corner in the Eighth inning here against the Cardinals um, has absolutely been on fire this season. Uh, you almost have to wonder um, how much of this is finally starting to sink in and why the Reds' the front office is so excited about what they've already got in place for 2020 because you're beginning to see those kind of things play out at the big league level with the players that they've got under control for next year. Um, I guess. How to to transition to this, I guess, what are your thoughts on that and what the Reds might still want to try to address between now and the start of the 2020 season, considering they've done so much already to give themselves pieces to have for 2020? um, Because it looks like the ones that are going to be around beyond this year are beginning to kind of round into form already. Uh, BK, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think, I think the Reds are in for a tough offseason because it, there's – I mean, with just with a lot of tough decisions to make because you really – you know, with the way that this roster is set up, you know, really you have Trevor Bauer for one more year. You have – you know, this core really is built to win in 2020. Now, what happens in 2021 is anyone's guess, but – they really need to make 2020 count and you know they they have a lot of guys who have shown promise this year but it's it you know i'm not sure how much of that is going to translate into a championship winning team next year like you know when you when you look at it you know there's there's still some inconsistency issues there's still you know we're we've been seeing this over the last week right where the offense has just kind of disappeared and um you know even when you know guys are hitting and you know the season's in full swing um there there still are some question marks there i think that they could probably use another bat just at any any point like at anywhere just to kind of shore things up and and get some more consistency in the lineup um, uh, obviously I think there's, there's definitely some bullpen issues that need to be addressed, especially now that they're big, uh, they're, they two kind of bullpen anchors that they picked up, uh, prior to last season are now, uh, out of the picture. So, um, uh, I, I, think that there's, there's still some work to do, but, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in, uh, in Dick Williams and Nick Kral to think outside the box and, and come up with. Some interesting solutions to to these
0: issues. R, what do you think? Yeah, um,
2: you know I agree with what BK said, especially on the bat. I mean, is much as Tucker Barnhart, you know, has been around this team. I think we probably, or the Reds probably need an upgrade at, at catcher. Um, now, obviously, since he's come back off the injured list, he's been hitting a lot better, but. For much of the last two seasons, you know he hasn't done much at the plate, um, which kind of makes not being able to get uh, JT Real Muto uh, this offseason hurt a little bit more. Um, you know, Definitely upgrading the bullpen, because um, even with Jared Hughes and David Hernandez not pitching like they did last year, there's still a ton of inconsistency still in that bullpen. I mean, Rysell Iglesias has been up and down all season. Michael Lorenzen has been better, but he's still, you know, he pitched, I think two games in that cub series without getting an out. Um, you know, obviously the big one was on Sunday where he gave up the home run to Chris Bryant. Um, you know, he's, he's still been pretty up and down. And then mm-hmm. even guys like Robert Stevenson, who have shown a lot of flashes of being good, they've also had their bad moments. So I think that's probably the most pertinent upgrade that's needed is in the bullpen. Um, but then after that, I would say, you know, adding a bat, you know, pr- maybe if it's a, you know, going out and getting uh, Osmani Grandal or something like that to, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, make an improvement at catcher, um, I think that would go a long way to helping this team contend because I don't think they're there yet.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think you're 100% right. And obviously, Grandall's is the one of my, my, my pet prospects of the last decade uh, and former first round draft pick of the Reds. Um, but a guy who's played a decent bit of first base in his career also, and almost kind of, as you watch Joey Votto into his age 36 season next year and uh, the way he struggled over the last two seasons, the idea of getting grandall 100 starts, 110 starts as a catcher and 20 ish starts at first base to spell him a little bit and also to spell Votto Having Tucker Barnard as your backup, it's a it's a pretty juicy fit as far as I'm concerned. Um, especially when you look up at the outfield and realize that in lieu of what we at one point thought seemed to be the uh, what the front office's plan was, which was to sign Yasiel Puig long term, now they've got Aristides Aquino, Nick Sinzel, Jesse Winker, Philip Irvin, all these pre-arbitration guys making league minimum. Um, you got got Eugenio Suarez signed long term to a fixed rate. You know exactly what he's going to cost. Uh, Freddie Galvis at $5 bucks to play shortstop is not outlandish by any stretch of the imagination for a starting shortstop in big leagues, uh, if that's the the route they chose to go. If you put Josh Vamater at second base, he's also a pre r guy. Um, Yeah, the starting rotation is going to be expensive next year. Uh, It it really is. You've got Trevor Bauer and Anthony Iscafani in their final years of arbitration. You've got Sonny Gray signed. uh, Luis Castillo will still be relatively cheap, as will Tyler Malley as well. And you're going to have to spend some money on the bullpen. But if you look at the way the money's coming off the books, uh, based on what they've shed this particular season – there still should be plenty of money to work with this particular offseason, and it seems like the Reds have positioned themselves well uh, to be able to go out there and spend a little bit if they choose to um, and also have found a pretty good core to where as much as 2020 looks like it should be the season, even if it's not and it doesn't pan out that well, what are you losing off of the 2020 roster? You know, you're know, you losing Trevor Bauer. You traded Taylor Trammell to get him, but aside from that, you're not really losing a whole lot else, you know? Um, so I, I I admire the way that the Reds have gone about kind of bridging this gap, finding a way to make August, at least the first two weeks of August more competitive for the Reds this year than it has been in recent years. Uh, but also didn't mortgage the 2020 season in in the process or 2021, 2022. It might've just stumbled on some pretty good, uh, assets in the process also. So, um, as frustrating as it's been to watch them kind of stumble this entire season. And obviously, the last four games have been indicative of that, but it really has been a stumble this entire year. You know they've been on the cusp of being much, much better than they the records suggest they are. Uh, it just it wasn't a get over the hump year, but a lot of teams that eventually break out go through these kind of stumble years first. and hopefully, especially when you consider how much they're bringing back, off of what this roster they've currently cobbled together is, um, I, I think it could could set up pretty well for a 2020 run. So um, I guess with that, we're we're running a little bit shorter than we have in, in previous times, but it's also the nearing the end of this particular game, and and we've also been a pretty transitional. Uh, um, go for 2019 slash look forward to 2020 mode at red reporter so maybe we wrap this one up a little bit close or a little bit shorter tonight than we have been uh you guys yeah. have any final thoughts
1: yeah I mean I, I think we just have less to talk about this week uh, yeah with, with the the Reds not being in anymore but who
0: knows they, they yeah. as I mentioned as I alluded to earlier <laughs> they do have nine games in a row against the Padres the Marlins and the Pirates uh after this series against the uh, the Cardinals, and, and who knows? Maybe they go on one of those New York Mets style runs against some crappy baseball teams and make this more interesting than I anticipate. I'm not expecting it, but who the heck knows? are yeah. what do you think? Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, uh, you know, all they got to do is and if they sweep the Cardinals here, then they have those nine games like you mentioned, and maybe sweep those, and, you know, we're like six, six games six over. over yeah. So, no, I mean, like you said, it has been frustrating, but. You know, looking back, I think someone at Fangraphs, before the season started, had projected the Reds to be, like, an 80-81 win team, and given the state of the NL Central, how competitive it can be, they might just be a team that sneaks into the wild card or sneaks into the playoffs if things fall right. Well, they started 1-8, and eight, but since then they've been exactly a 500 team, so they've pretty much been the team that we've expected them to be. they just kind of put themselves behind the eight ball best at the start of the season and have never really been able to catch back up to that. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, it's been frustrating, especially once you get into August and you're playing competitive and there's some hope and and then it kind of just falls through when you lose four yeah. games in a row. It's still, it's, it's been a lot more fun than sitting here like 20 games out in mid August. And it's just like, well, hmm. let's watch, you know, Alberto verto like for a few innings here. And, uh, yeah. And We're so at, it has been a lot better having expectations and 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 hope to, you know, maybe in a month and a half you're hoping that you're in the playoffs or in the wild card instead, right. of, yeah. instead of that hope going away in May. So, yeah. well, yeah, it, it's been frustrating. It's, it's been a lot better than it could have been. It's a
0: step forward. Like this team has been absolutely competitive. You know, like yeah. with a, a few breaks here and there, this team is – three games over 500 right now. And that means every game from here to the end of the season is relevant. And and there's, you know, you, if you, I I think if you took at the pool of data that you've seen from the roster, the Reds have had for this entire year, and you simulate it a hundred times, they make the playoffs a couple times, you know, Mm -hmm. they do like that. That's Mm -hmm. it. They're not, they're not too far off. And they're also at the point where they're not going to lose any of their best assets that they have right now going forward. Um, and they've got the ability to add more. And I think that's the exciting point about where they are in this uh, year six, year five ish, six ish of this, uh, this rebuild is that they've put together a pretty good team. It wasn't quite good enough this year, but they're keeping all the good parts going forward. And a lot of them have a lot of team control and that's a pretty admirable spot to be in. So, um, well for that, we'll wrap episode 12 of these, uh, this, uh, a rebooted version of the red reporter podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us most everywhere. Maybe not Spotify. Sorry, baseball Jones. They're kind of complicated. <laughs> um, but you can follow us on Twitter.com at red reporter. You can occasionally find our stuff on red reporter at her on Facebook at red reporter fans, certainly look us up at redreporter.com where we put a lot of this yapping into words and hit publish on stories. Um, But yeah, check us out. We, uh, we still will be following this team vehemently throughout the, the next uh, 40 ish games of this season and into the off season as we kind of figure out where this Reds team can find a way to make, uh, make a playoff run realistic in their future. So uh, for our, for BK, thanks for listening and um, we'll see you guys next week.